This is Echo Zoe Radio, episode 116 for December 2017 with Kofi Edu Bohan on Discipleship. Welcome to Echo Zoe Radio, the podcast outreach of Echo Zoe Ministries, where you'll hear about important topics affecting the church today. Our primary goal is to explore a variety of issues while remaining faithful to God and His Word. Stay with us for the next hour as your host, Andy Olson, shares his conversation with this month's guest. Here's your host, Andy Olson. I'm Andy Olson. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. This is episode 116 for December 2017 with Kofi Edubohan. Kofi first joined me on Echo Zoe Radio back in October of 2015 to, to discuss the doctrine of union with Christ. He's beginning seminary soon and has had discipleship on his mind. He joins me this month to discuss this topic and hopefully to encourage others to be more mindful of our calling to make disciples. Last month, I shared about Echozoi Answers, which is the new venture that I started shortly before. Another episode of that is available at both the YouTube and Echozoi Ministries Facebook pages. I'm not sure when I'll get to another question for another episode, but would like to put one together. So if you have a theological question I can help you with, please let me know, and I will make some time when I can to do another of these short videos. As with any episode uh, of the podcast, you can get show notes for this one at the website. Every month I put together a bullet-pointed outline of the discussion, a list of scriptures that we reference during the show for your own deeper study, and when appropriate, lists of additional resources on the subject, as well as related episodes from the Echozoia Radio archives. You can find all of that in the show notes for this episode at echozoia.com slash 116. With that, here's my discussion with Kofi. Kofi, it's been a while since I had you on Echozoe, but it's a pleasure to have you back on. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. So uh, your life has uh, gone through a bit of change since last time we talked. You were a Londoner last time we talked. Now you're an Oregonian. Yeah, some interesting <laughs> things have happened since I was last on with you. So um, I think since last time, gotten gotten into a relationship we dated, got engaged in June of 2016, got married this last April. And so I packed up my worldly goods and moved to Southern Oregon, which is where I am now. Congratulations and welcome to the States. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and I imagine that's partially what inspired the topic that you wanted to talk about tonight. Um, well, partially, definitely. I think this is something I've always had a passion for in general. And then just in conversations with my wife in the last few months, we've just found ourselves in a lot of agreement in this area and starting to realize, Hmm, this may be a Avenue for future ministry for the both of us. And so, um, yeah, that's a partial reason for wanting to talk about this tonight. So we're going to talk about discipleship and I guess just to kind of fill the listeners in, what happened was that I just reached out and said, hey, it's been a while since we talked and love to talk to you again sometime on a podcast, but I don't have a topic in mind. And and you suggested uh, talking about discipleship. So um, 
What got you passionate about it? What got you thinking in terms of discipleship? Yeah, well, like I said, this has been a passion of mine for a few years now, and it sort of dovetails with the story of how I came to more reformed convictions, which is what I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, in God's providence, I was introduced to a godly retired pastor who essentially took this at the time 16 year old under his wing and just poured into me in terms of scripture and theology and thinking about the Christian life and, you know, just listening to various concerns I had about not just theological issues, but issues in my own life. And, you know, that was, we wouldn't have called it a discipleship relationship in a formal sense, but I look back on it. That's essentially what it was. Yeah. He, poured of himself into me and you know i sought to learn from him as someone who had been in the ministry for years and was a very mature and godly person that i wanted to learn from and so that got me interested in the subject and then just in my own walk with the lord began to realize the importance of that more and more and more was privileged to have other relationships following on from that which again continued that and Along the way, someone gave me a book by a professor called A.B. Bruce. So he was around in the mid to late 1800s, and he was a professor at the Free Church College in Edinburgh in Scotland. And the book was called The Training of the Twelve. And essentially what it is is a look at both the content and the method by which Jesus trained the disciples. And that book got me fascinated thinking about discipleship because – There was nothing revolutionary, if you will, about what Jesus did with these 12 men. But at the same time, to us, it would be revolutionary because it's not how we tend to think about ministry. And so reading that and thinking about that got me really fascinated in the subject. And that's just something that hasn't let me go since. And so that's sort of how I got into thinking about discipleship and disciple making and the role of individual believers as well as the church. Cool. And you said... Something about an internship that you're starting up. Um, I don't know if they saw that on Twitter or uh, mm-hmm. um, how does that play into? Yes. So um, in God's providence, like I said, we got married and moved here to Southern Oregon. And I think when we got married, my initial plan was to sort of work for a while and then we'd go off to seminary. Um, but, you know, I got to the church here and very quickly found a really great church home and a great fellowship. And so I think, OK, this could be a potential, you know, base for ministry, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then so the conversation was just kind of going on in the back of my mind about that. And then our pastor um, asked me to start teaching a fundamentals of the faith class using the material done by Grace Community Church down in Southern California. Um, and so I've taught that material a number of times before. Oh, no. Well, you were talking about, um, I think, materials from Grace Community Church. I think it's where, yes, so where we, we were um, when you dropped so off. I started teaching through that material and then... Um, as I was getting into teaching this class, that was in September or so. Well, actually, it was before September. We had that conversation about me teaching the class, and I was more and more excited about getting involved and getting stuck in. And I had a conversation with my wife about, you know, what, wouldn't it be amazing if we could um, 
like stay in Southern Oregon and get sort of the training I wanted to get by going to seminary, but stay as part of the church. And she was like, what? Where's this come from? Because we'd only ever spoken about um, wanting to move. And so I expressed that I'm increasingly uneasy with that idea. And so we began to look into um, other options in terms of being able to um, stay here in Southern Oregon as well as get the training that I wanted to get. And so we found a solution that made that work. And part of that involved taking on an internship here at our church, um, here in Medford in Southern Oregon, Bear Creek Church, passed by Dale Meadow. And so um, just last Sunday, it was in that. So last Sunday from when we recorded, we're recording anyway, okay. um, <laughs> it was announced to our congregation that I would be coming along coming along the elders as well as another guy as an intern at the church. So, um, and part of my thinking about wanting to get involved in ministry is to explore how my personal passion for discipleship can now fit in with ministry in a local church context. Okay. So then you end up doing like a online seminary kind of then, or? Yes. So I will be enrolling with a, online seminary called North American Reform Seminary. They're based out in South Carolina. And so in the process of finishing up my application there and okay. Lord willing should be starting that in the new year. What a wonderful time we live in when you can, you can do stuff like that, be able to learn, yeah. <laughs> learn um, <laughs> remotely and then, and stay engaged with your home church like that. That's uh, yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. And I would guess I have having moved to a new continent not too long ago, having to pick up and move yet again would be, it's not something I'd want to go through. No, one massive life altering move is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can see by the video, it looks like your, uh, your book, uh, your box of books must've come with you. <laughs> um, a few boxes and that is another story for another time. And if I remember um, correctly, you were, uh, you were kind of pulling what little hair you have out trying to yeah, get pretty books. Much. Um, they finally got hair. And so I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, let's talk a little bit about what discipleship is, because I think it's something that I think a lot of people hear discipleship and they think, well, that's such a simple term that, you know, it's, um, you know, it seems simple, but, it, it would be easy for people to have like maybe a little bit different ideas in mind for what exactly we mean by discipleship. So uh, let's set the stage on our terms going in. Yeah, absolutely. Discipleship can best be described as the process of encouraging other believers to grow in Christ likeness through formal and informal relationship. I think that's a good way of putting it. So in discipleship, we're not trying to make them like us. We're trying to make them like Christ. And mm -hmm. the way that we're trying to do that is through both formal and informal relationships. I think on every level, we are engaging as Christians in disciple making, whether we know it or not. So yeah. every time that you go to church on a Sunday and you hear the word being taught, that is a form of discipleship. Every time you have a conversation with another believer about a biblical issue or just an issue of life and you're framing it around a biblical context, that is a form of discipleship. It's 
something that we, like I said, we all engage in on some level. I just don't, we think we are intentional about it. And I mm-hmm. think that part of what I look forward to talking about is how we can be a bit more intentional with those relationships that we form as we try and pursue this goal of Christ likeness. Yeah. That's something that, um, I, I kind of mentioned that we didn't talk that long before we hit record, but, um, that's, that's something that you kind of caused me to think about in, in my own walk and in my own life and, and in this ministry and Echo Zoe and this podcast and whatnot. And, and I never really thought about it formally, but that's kind of what has been my driving goal all along. And, and that I'm not formally trained and I didn't go to seminary, but I've been a believer for almost two decades now. And I've learned a lot. The, the Lord's brought me through a lot of experiences and, and uh, taught me through people who knew more than I did, um, still know better, more than I do. And, um, and, and I've always felt that's kind of my, my niche or, you know, and I think that's for a lot of us is to, and in turn, find people that are kind of younger in the faith themselves and, and guide them along the way, the way I've mm-hmm. been guided and you've been guided and, and, uh, and I carry along the next generation and, and next generation, not necessarily meaning biological generation, but the next generation in the Lord that, you know, somebody might be older than you biologically, but, but much younger than you in the Lord. And, uh, and, and kind of the whole, I guess the, the, what I, what I'm getting at is they are not as far along as you have. They don't have your experiences. They haven't mm-hmm. been through um, some of the tough times you've been through and, and learned the hard lessons and, uh, and, and you, you can share that with people and kind of ease them through that themselves, make it a little easier for them than it was for us. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. But, uh, and that's kind of, you know, the, the primary audience for the podcast has always been my kids and and now my kids don't, regularly listen to these podcasts, but the idea was that eventually someday they're going to grow up and um, they're going to have questions and they're going to be a little hungrier to learn. And, um, mm-hmm. and I'll have a library built up and um, they can go back. And when my kids say, Hey, I want to learn about discipleship, I can say, Hey, you know, back in um, December of 2017, I did a great podcast with this Kofi guy who uh, moved over here from London and has a funny accent. And uh, you should listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good discussion. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I think you have a good mindset on thinking of it as, you know, I have somebody in mind that I'm thinking of, and this is my avenue. I think part of the struggle we have with disciple making is that people assume that it has to be this cookie cutter process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing I've come to discover about discipleship and disciple making is that that's a process that looks very different for very different people. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm somebody who benefits a lot from reading. As you can see behind me, I've got a bunch <laughs> of books and got a few more around the room. I, I like to read. That's primarily how I learn. For some people, reading is the last thing they want to do. Yeah, They're more auditory learners. Mm-hmm. And so they like to listen to things. You know, if you give them a sermon to listen to, yeah, they'll absolutely listen and gain from it. For other people still, they don't like any of those. They just like someone talking to them and just a one-to-one conversation. Yep. You know, that's how they learn. And so it's finding the avenue that works best for fostering that relationship and knowing who you're talking to. So for you, it's your kids and mm-hmm. you want them to be able to have this resource. For me, it's the people in my local church here. And so I teach classes and hopefully we'll be doing a lot more ministry work with the folks here. And so how I 
minister and how I seek to make disciples is directly affected by the people that I have in front of me, which, you know, we can't neglect. You can't just enforce a method on people and hope that it works. So in your, um, like in your short term future here now with this internship and, and getting into the discipleship within your own local church, what does that look like? Are you like teaching Wednesday night Bible classes or are you doing some counseling with one-on-one uh, -on -one with people or, you know, what, what kind of day-to-day thing does that look like for you? Yes. Well, we're still in the early stages of mapping out how this is all going to look. So at the moment, I'm already teaching a Thursday night class um, with this Fundamentals of the Faith material, and that's finishing up this coming week. And then I'm already planning for the next class, which is going to be a class on how to study the Bible. That's going to be a much shorter one than this. Um, so that I imagine that's going to be a lot of what I do, but um, also... Part of my thinking about wanting to do an internship and serve in a local church was those things like counseling, like visiting, like funerals and weddings and stuff like that, which, you know, I've spoken to a lot of ministers and a lot of them said, you know, I kind of learned that after I went through seminary, you know, you know, I had to kind of learn how to do those things on the fly. And for me, it's a thing of, OK, if I can learn to do them before I'm in a ministry context on my own. Um, that makes much more sense. And so mm -hmm. um, still working out the day-to-day -day details, but I imagine that a massive part of that is going to be creating an atmosphere. I like to talk about a culture of discipleship. Well, this is uh, what I think is really super interesting about it is that you throw in the seminary angle to it. And, and I see, you know, you and I have got a lot of mutual friends online on Twitter mm -hmm. and, and Facebook mm -hmm. and that. And uh, many of them are pastors and in their own right and um, leading their own churches and stuff. And sometimes I'll see them pop up online talking about, um, you know, asking each other, how much of what you go through day to by day as a pastor did you learn in seminary versus how much did you learn on the job kind of through mm -hmm. experience? And it's pretty uh pretty common that they'll, they'll say, well, I learned about 10% of what I use in seminary. The rest is kind of the school <laughs> of hard knocks. So it was interesting, uh, as you like ravel this internship with, uh, like an on time, uh, online, uh, seminary and stuff, uh, kind of getting the best of both worlds at the right time in that, in that, um, kind of way of learning things that they kind of weaving the, the experience through, with the, the seminary online learning and stuff. And so uh, it's going to be good for you, I think. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck in and um, we'll see how it goes. I'm because I really love our church family here and to be able to serve them in this way is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, you, you kind of pointed me in a direction before we got started and you talked about some mm -hmm. of the scriptures and stuff. So let's get into some of the scriptures that you're using to kind of guide you in, in uh, learning some of this discipleship stuff absolutely there are two main passages a bunch of other ones as well but two that come to mind when i think about this i think the first of them is the what we all know as the great commission so matthew mm -hmm. chapter 28 uh, verses 16 through 20 now the 11 disciples went to galilee to the mountain to which jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So 
we know that passage, we quote it all the time. But I think it's interesting that in the context of talking about what the disciples' mission was, Jesus mentions disciple-making. He explicitly says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. There's the old evangelical joke, you know, Jesus said, make disciples, not converts. Um, and there's an element of truth to that, mm-hmm. that it's not just our calling to create sort of converts and few sisters on a Sunday, but to make disciples. And so we can talk about various other metrics for success in terms of the Great Commission, but I would argue that the number one metric for success is, are we making disciples? Are we making, literally the word disciple is the word for a learner, a student. Mm -hmm. Are we making students of Christ? Not just in an academic sense, but in a whole life sense, in a holistic sense. Are we creating people who are learners from Jesus Christ. And so that would be the first passage that I think of when I think of disciple making. Mm-hmm. Just that Great Commission passage, the fact that built into the Great Commission is our need for disciple making. I think a second passage that I would look at would be in 1 Timothy. So um, Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's giving him some instructions about ministry and made a mistake there should be second timothy um second timothy 2 2 so let me read from verse 1 he says you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in christ jesus verse 2 and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also so you see a progression in terms of relationships there so he says and what you've heard from me so there was paul discipling timothy yeah who discipled timothy taught timothy some things Mm -hmm. and also paul talked not just about what he's seen what he's heard excuse me but what you've seen and heard in me so there's some stuff that he saw in paul not just things that he heard paul teach but anyway he says what you've heard from me so paul discipling timothy in the presence of many witnesses Entrust the faithful men. So now there's a transfer from Paul to Timothy and now Timothy to these faithful men in the hope that these faithful men will be able to teach others also. And so it never stops with the person who has been discipled. There's always just a disciple, discipler and disciple relationship, as it were. Mm-hmm. But there's an ongoing maturation and an ongoing process where the person who is the receiver of discipleship, if you will, after a while, after they've become matured, after they've become grounded, they now turn around and they go and make disciples. So now it's a multiplication that takes place rather than just, okay, it's, you know, here's my one person. Okay. After a few years, I've taught them. It's good. Off I go. (laughs) Um, no, it should be a constant, okay, now that I have learned, what can I now pass on to someone? Who can I now find that I can start building relationships with and helping them to grow into Christ-likeness? And so those would be the two big passages that I look at, which kind of frame my thinking on that. Ephesians 4 would be another one in passing where it talks about um, the fact that God gives to the church gifted men to train us for the work of the ministry, to equip us to do the work of the ministry so that the body can grow itself in love. I think many of us have the misconception that because we believe very strongly in 
or gifted men being ordained to the ministry that they essentially do the disciple making work and we are essentially just consumers or customers. But um, I would argue in a biblical understanding, what they are doing is through their ministry of the word, as well as lifting up Christ, which must always be central, they are also training us so that we can actually do the ministry that God has given us so that we can be making disciples in the context that God places us. And obviously that will look different from person to person, but that's what the ministry of the word is there to do. And so that would be another passage that for me is um, very influential in my thinking about discipleship and disciple making. Yeah. And I think uh, something just popped in my head on that too. And, and I don't have my, um, my so- software up here to, to look up the reference, but the, when Paul talked about, moving from milk to to eating the meat of the word and yeah. and getting deeper and deeper and and that mm-hmm. would um be very fitting as well that yeah absolutely that uh, i think it's hebrews 5 you're thinking of um well that wouldn't be paul but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. depending who wrote hebrews um but yeah that passage of hebrews 5 is one that's always haunting me because in the beginning of that he says you know for you know by this time you should be teachers but you need somebody to now teach you. And then he goes on to his discussion of spiritual milk versus spiritual meat. And even that passage, I think, is controversial because I think sometimes we misunderstand Paul's point. Oh, the author to the Hebrews. Not that I think it was Paul, but um, sure. the author to the Hebrews point. I don't think he's necessarily saying that spiritual milk is a bad thing. That's like we would say, of course, milk is not a bad thing in and of no, itself. But it's like- just not appropriate for an adult, for instance, to only live on milk right. when they should have started eating solids. Mm-hmm. There's an issue of maturation, not the content that they're receiving. Some believers who are new in their walk, spiritual milk is all they can take. Um, but it's interesting that he says that in the context of you should be teachers. You should actually be those who are now passing on what you have learned. But apparently you're not learning. You're not growing to the point where you can do that. If anything, you need to be taught all over again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. That's another um, passage, which I think can come together in our sort of theology of disciple making. Sure. Now, uh, at, at one point, and like, I, I, sometimes I get confused, you know, when we talk a little bit beforehand versus um, mm-hmm. uh, what we've already discussed on the show, but um, you brought about the, uh, brought up the doctrines of grace mm-hmm. and um, you're talking about this, um, this this kind of lifelong process of not only being discipled but making disciples and discipling others and how mm-hmm. would the doctrines of grace then um, tie into discipleship? And- well, wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think part of what we are trying to do in creating disciples is teaching, as you said, everything that I've commanded you, and part of that is. You know, the sovereignty of God in salvation. Those are part of what, that's part of what Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can't negate or sort of relegate that, I should say, and say, well, you know, that's just for the really mature Christians. You know, that's those are for the sort of theology nerds, if you will. <laughs> they can talk about that stuff. Um, no, I think we should definitely talk about the doctrines of grace. And if anything, our understanding of the sovereignty of God in salvation and the fact that God calls us to persevere in the faith in particular calls us to cause us to grow causes calls us to continually be pursuing him um 
that should definitely form a foundation for our understanding of disciple making. And I think, um, I think that's what really was on my mind as well. When you brought up this, uh, the doctrines of grace is the, that, that perseverance of the saints that, that, um, if we really are in the Lord, then, um, we're going to stay in the Lord and we're going to grow in the Lord over time. We're going to be sanctified throughout our life. And we're going to, you know, which is going to cause us to, to not only grow deeper, but then be more well equipped to, uh, to help others that, like we said, are younger in the faith, uh, mm-hmm. to, to do the growing of themselves as well. So we can encourage them in their perseverance as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, uh, where to lead you next on this. I guess you're kind of, kind of. <laughs> I'm following your lead as much as um, I'm trying to to lead you, and uh, and maybe not being the best host. If you want, I can just go. I mean, I'm constantly thinking about this. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I think for me, one thing that I have increasingly become convicted about is the role of the church in disciple making. And where does the church fit into this? Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk. I think we just mentioned it. I talk about the idea of a culture of discipleship. That there are multiple layers, spheres, maybe of discipleship. And I think the danger is sometimes we relegate discipleship to just the personal angle, yeah. and we miss some of those other spheres. And so, in my mind, there are multiple spheres of discipleship that take place. Like I said, the well, most... it's not just spheres; it's um, it's avenues as well, um, methods. Yes, and so, I mean, this discussion yeah. we're have because people are other people are going to be listening to it is discipleship. People are mm-hmm. are um, going to hear it and hopefully be edified by it and grow in in their own walk in some way. Maybe it's minuscule. Maybe they don't quite uh, can't quite articulate what they might, might caught up come out of this discussion with. But hopefully, mm-hmm. there's some sliver of discipleship going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so when I talk about multiple avenues or spheres of discipleship, one of them I would say is corporate discipleship, which is what happens in our corporate worship services as we gather together on a Sunday or if your church has, um, you know, midweek services, those corporate gatherings together where the word of God is being taught. That's a form of discipleship because Mm -hmm. there is a teaching relationship between the person who is up front teaching and the person who is listening. We are learning from them as they have learned in God's word. And so that's why the preaching of God's word is so critical to discipleship. We can't relegate discipleship to just, okay, let's just get together for coffee and have a chat. You know, there needs to be that word component to it, if you will. And so in one avenue, there's that corporate discipleship, but then there's also, I would argue a, place for a more small group approach to it. I know small groups are a controversial subject for some. Um, I think there's a merit, there's merit to the idea of having smaller circles within which discipleship relationships are being fostered. I think I would argue you see that with Jesus that yeah, yeah obviously Jesus had the 12 that he was always with, but right. then you also see he sometimes also the, the, the inner three, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have that inner circle of three that he's with all the time. Mm-hmm. And they seem to go with him where some of the other disciples don't. Yeah. Um, even with Paul, we just read Paul's words to Timothy. We see that Paul calls Timothy, his son in the faith. There is this 
very close relationship. And there are a number of people that Paul refers to throughout his letters whom, with whom he has this kind of a relationship. So I think there is something to be said for more small group approaches, whether a church decides to have small groups or they have something like classes or churches, I don't know if they still do, um, have something like adult Sunday schools, that sort of thing. Yeah, our church does. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, and so we, do nine provide, we do a nine o'clock Sunday school and then a 1030 service. So yep, it yeah, it definitely does um, still exist. <laughs> Yep, glad to hear it. Um, but those provide a another avenue for discipleship to take place. Mm-hmm. And then there is obviously what we tend to think of as discipleship, which is a one-on-one to rela- relationship um, where a believer is talking to another believer who is young in the faith and wants to grow. And again, how that looks will differ from person to person, but that's another sphere in which that takes place. And then there's obviously what I like to call occasional discipleship. So a church might decide to put on a conference or to put on a seminar. And they, those aren't regular things. Those are occasional, yeah. but they're again, providing an avenue for discipleship that maybe someone can't commit to something every week or they can't commit to something every month, but they can, you know, every so often, okay, block out like a Saturday so yeah. we can do a seminar or block out a Friday night, Saturday for a conference or something like that. So there are multiple avenues in which discipleship takes place, but none of those should be divorced from the ministry of the local church, the local church is the place where we foster the culture of discipleship we create a passion for it so that people are then equipped and excited about doing discipleship whether that is in a corporate sense in a small group sense in an individual sense or in an occasional sense mm-hmm. um maybe kind of shifting gears a little bit I, I'm, I'm curious about kind of your role in your church in london Mm-hmm. And how that kind of plays into it. What, what are, what did you bring with you from that church in London when you when you moved to Oregon? That kind of helps with this discipleship. You said that this has been a long time passion. It's not just something mm-hmm. that's since you moved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I joined my church in London in two thousand and twelve, um, one of the first you know, in-depth relationships I formed was with my pastor, um, mm-hmm. the now Dr. Tom Drion. And what that became was we would meet at one point. It was every week. Um, it then kind of just with differing, uh, schedules kind of shifted to every other week, but we would meet regularly. And sometimes we would read a book together. Sometimes we would just talk about issues. Sometimes we would I was involved in teaching in the church. And so he would, you know, walk through sermons with me or walk through lessons I was preparing. And we'd discuss things like that. But I began to see pastors who took the lead with that, that they didn't just assume that it was going to happen, but they led by example. I can still remember um, PT, as I used to call them, always saying, um, you know, two questions you always need to be thinking about. Who's discipling me? And who am I discipling? No. And those are questions that I always carried with me. I was always thinking about that. Who am I discipling? And who's discipling me? Who am I discipling? Who's discipling me? And that's something that I always carry with me because this should never just be a thing of, okay, I have sort of churned out my one disciple. Yay me. I'm done now. Mm -hmm. Um, It should be a constant thinking about, okay, who, who do I know? Or, 
who is sort of asking for you know that kind of discipleship ministry who's asking for that who seems to need that and not in a sort of presumptuous sense of well i have now come to master everything and i can now troubleshoot um people's problems you know i still need discipleship i meet with um the pastor who married my wife and i um we meet every thursday and we talk about things and we're reading a book together and uh i need that relationship because i need someone to be pouring into me and someone that i can speak to and someone that i can um you know, be fostering that relationship with as well. Um, so that's that something that should ever really end. I mean, shouldn't we be like very gray before we start reaching the point where we're not being discipled ourselves? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I imagine you know someone like uh, R.C. Sproul or or John MacArthur are probably old enough that they're you know they're always going to be reading um, people who came before them. They're going to you know great mm-hmm. preachers from. Um, days gone by they're going to be reading that and learning that still but they're they're getting to an age where now they they don't have an older person in the faith that can be discipling them but mm-hmm. but i mean short of that shouldn't we always have somebody who's kind of ahead of us a step or two at least if not a little more to kind of help mm-hmm. keep us in check and make sure we're not oh, yeah absolutely absolutely i think it's i think it's an arrogant person who says that i will never need that yeah. Um, so like you said, someone like a Dr. Sproul or Dr. MacArthur, that's why they're reading people who have gone before them. You know, it may not be a physical discipleship relationship, but it's yeah, still... Yeah, well, but that's like where you were saying, who's discipling me? You know, you're asking that question, mm-hmm. who am I discipling? Who's discipling me? And mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm sure those men are even, even where they are, where they've been preachers for 40 or you know, maybe even 50 years they've been preaching. Um, you know, I think both men are in their 70s. Mm-hmm. Sproul might be even in his 80s. I can't remember how old exactly he is. But, um, you know, he's he's probably still asking who's discipling me. You know, it might be Charles Spurgeon or or uh, John Edwards or somewhere, somebody who's been mm-hmm. dead for a century or two or whatever. But um, Yeah, absolutely. And so um, that's one thing I learned from that. And, you know, honestly, I came out of church where we kind of led by example with that. Mm-hmm. So there were constantly opportunities for discipleship, whether it was on an individual level or classes that were offered or occasional events that were offered. Um, we had a conference every year um, in the summer, which we invited the entire church family to come out for. And a lot of people took up that invitation. And that was just a time of just total immersion in God's word. We'd have various professors and Bible teachers come and we'll teach some material. We had, um, Steve Lawson mm-hmm. to come and join us one year and did the attributes of God, which was still my favorite of all the classes that had happened at the Institute. But um, we had this opportunity for ongoing, you know, immersion in God's word. And that was a discipleship avenue. And so being in a church where that was taken seriously, where nobody was allowed to coast, if you will, yeah. where, Everybody was encouraged to be pursuing those relationships and pursuing the ministry of God's word and taking it seriously. I didn't even get to talk about men's and women's meetings that happened where we're digging into books and we're talking pointedly as men and women um, about, again, Christ-likeness and growing in our faith. Um, But those are, again, examples of a discipleship opportunity that is being taken. So those are some of the things I learned from the church back in London and would hope to still carry with me in my 
uh, ministry role here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe another complete curveball here, but um, you know, what do you? How do you see um, kind of the this digital world we're living in now? You're like you're going to be doing seminary online, mm-hmm. but we also like. We've I mentioned relationships that we share on uh, on Twitter, for example. You know, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of mutual friends and stuff, and and um, a, there's a lot of snark that goes around. There's a lot of cat fighting and uh, you know trolling mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I I see a lot of really good discipleship going on as well. Mm-hmm. That a lot mm-hmm. of people encouraging each other, and um, I've got some strong friendships that I know I've built on yeah. on that that I'll, I'll treasure forever. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I can't down social media because I met my wife on Facebook. So <laughs> um, it would be really hypocritical of me to down all the social media. Um, no, social media is a great platform for, I think, disciple making and forming those relationships. I can think of um, relationships that I have formed via um, social media. I think of my friend, I think you've had him on the show, Mike Abendroth. Yeah. Um over in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. uh, got to know him via you know his podcast, and then we corresponded over email, and then obviously he jumped onto Twitter, and you know we maintain a great relationship. I think of um, my good friend Gene Clyatt, mm-hmm. who is um, the, up the in Montana. Yep, um, the squirrel. Yeah, um, yep. he's and... been helpful to me on a number of theological issues um, when I was kind of grappling with my um, eschatology, for instance. He was mm-hmm. one of the people I reached out to, and you know we had a number of very helpful conversations. And you know I think of you know the digital world, and yes, it has its downsides. Um, I've fallen into them. You follow me on Twitter, so you, yeah. I can't hide any of that. I, you know, I get you know sucked into that vortex of the cat fighting and the uh, angry back and forth. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it also provides a great opportunity. Yeah, it's something I. It, it can be really hard, but I work very, very hard to kind of stay out of some of that stuff. And um, yeah, but, I, I try. I try. Sometimes it doesn't sometimes quite you work just, out. You just can't. <laughs> you can't avoid it. But yeah. But you know. Um, I, I really treasure a lot of those relationships mm-hmm. and like um, I, I enjoy seeing interactions as well. You mentioned Mike Ebendroth and you know, you were, I, I wanted to listen to it. You were just on with him earlier this week or last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He last week. yeah. And uh, so that's something I look forward to listening to. I, it's always kind of neat doing this uh, podcast to, to like see people that I interact with uh, here kind of interacting with each other somewhere else. And, mm-hmm. you know, I watch uh, James White on uh, the dividing line a lot and I hear your name pop up there too. And, uh, you know, it's kind of other, other, it's it's kind of neat to see some of these, we live in small circles in a lot of ways when we're mm-hmm. online and yeah. it's kind of neat to see some of that, but um, definitely very enriching in, in my own life. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, those interactions, um, whether it's somebody like you that maybe I can tweet back and forth a little bit more often or someone like Mike Emondroth who, you know, maybe once a, once a month or two, I might bounce a tweet off of, but still, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, definitely. And you know, that doesn't even get into just the resource aspect that the internet is. I mean, yeah. um, I sometimes joke with folks that for a really long time, I couldn't afford to buy books, um, which is kind of why I buy so many now, uh, <laughs> making up for lost time. But um, for a long time, I couldn't afford to buy books. And so a lot of what I learned, I learned from the internet. Sites like um, monogism.com. Um, yeah. Sites work. like grace to You, sites like Ligonier, who would have free stuff that they'd post on the internet. I think for somebody who maybe is listening to this and say, well, okay, I'm in a church where I don't know if I can get 
that kind of a disciple making relationship. I'm to that person, I would say ransack the internet. There's tons <laughs> out there. Um, I mean, Ligonier has their platform, what's it called? Ligonier Connect, um, where you can take courses and it basically has formed a community. I've taken a number of their courses and, you know, discussions happen and you can create community that way. You can meet people that way. Um, whether it's just, okay, I'm going to download a sermon series from Johnny Mac or from Alistair Begg. Um, there's just the two I think of because they have their sermons online for free. And I'm, you know, I'm yeah. going to listen to one a day. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the internet gives us so many resources in terms of stuff we can listen to, stuff we can read, stuff we can watch. So even if someone says, okay, I can't think of anybody who I can have that physical relationship with, that process of disciple making can still happen digitally. Yeah. No, I... I, I kind of have a mixed feeling about that myself. I think um, it's there. Take advantage of it for sure. Obviously. I mean, there's so much wonderful stuff like you just said, um, but I don't want to, I don't want to in any way discourage somebody from being involved in a church too. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, definitely. There's just, I mean, there's so much, it, that's, it's why it's such a rich time to live in. It's such a wonderful time to live in, in some ways because there's just, so much more available to us. Uh, but th- there are some things you can only get face to face. Oh, absolutely. And I, I thank you for that. I think it's, mm. um, a dangerous sentiment to go too far with on my end, you know, because yes, I there are I'm, not, I'm not saying that you are, I'm just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm... no, definitely. I think someone could definitely hear that. Um, mm-hmm. and kind of think, Oh, I don't really need to be in a church. And I said, I agree. Um, there's, you do need to be in a church. Yep. Be in a church. Right. So, if you're not in a church, go find one. Um, and if you are in a church, make that the primary place that, you know, you are learning from and going. So, for example, when people, when I was back in London, people would ask me, uh, oh, who are you, some of your favorite preachers? And I was always say, first two are my pastors. Yeah. Um, I say that too. Because, you know, your your favorite preacher should be the guy that you see face to face on Sunday morning. Exactly. Because, you know, one of my heroes is Jody Mack. Mm-hmm. Um, they, no, hands down, one of my favorite preachers. But the reality is, I've only met Jody Mac twice in person. Um, both at Shepherd's Conferences, funny enough. <laughs> um, but he doesn't have a personal relationship with me the way my pastors back home did, or my right. pastors here in Southern Oregon do. Yep. They're the ones who are going to give an account for me one day. Mm-hmm. Jody Mac's going to give an account for me because he doesn't know me. Right. Um, and, and those, so and those sense, local uh, pastors are the ones that are actually thinking of you as they're studying for their sermon and putting it together. They're thinking of you and the other people around you that, um, that come and gather together in corporate worship on Sunday morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, this, this might seem like kind of a sidebar, but one kind of interesting thing that is sort of kind of a discipleship thing that I've enjoyed lately is, um, I have some, some sleep issues. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes I have trouble falling asleep or I'll wake up and I'll have trouble going back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, I've tried different things to remedy this. And, you know, I've tried um, nutritional supplements and um, sleep pills and um, years gone by. I even tried, you know, a little ounce or two of wine or something, you know, something mm-hmm. to, to kind of help do that. But um, I think what has worked for me better than anything is uh, completely chemical free. And that is, I have like my original iPod 
and I loaded it up <laughs> with sermons. Mm-hmm. And because I find that when I can't sleep, the reason, the biggest reason, at, at least most obvious reason why I can't sleep is because my mind is racing. Like I'm thinking about a mm-hmm. hundred different things at once. And yeah. I found that if I put um, some sermons, uh, anything talk, anything vocal, you know, not music, mm-hmm. but vocal, something that I need to pay attention to. And sermons work great. Um, put them on there and um, just I just have it playing 24-7 on a shuffle. Mm-hmm. And um, right now I've got Phil Johnson and I have uh, Nate Pickowitz on there. And so the mm-hmm. two of two of my favorite non-local preachers. Mm-hmm. And so I'll lay down in bed and I'll stick a earbud in my ear. And uh, so my wife doesn't isn't bothered by it and listen to whoever happens to be up at the moment uh, preaching. And, and uh, it's been a very kind of interesting um, Nate's a great preacher, by the way. If you haven't heard Nate, he, he's oh, a, real, I, I, he's I a good preacher. Right I, yeah. I really enjoyed Nate. Um, actually, I'm having Nate back. He was just on a couple months ago. He's coming back on next month uh, if our plans hold out. We're, nice. Um, and but uh, yeah, and it, it's it's kind of fun, uh, kind of like uh, kind of like that online thing with the mm-hmm. Twitter and whatnot. It's another way to kind of get to know somebody too. And I've gotten to know mm-hmm. Phil Johnson and their church a little better and kind of how mm-hmm. they work. I mean, you can yeah. list, you can kind of watch them on YouTube and see seminars and sermon uh, or uh, conferences and stuff, but you don't kind of mm-hmm. get to really know the inner workings of their church and stuff. But it's been it's been interesting and and uh, great sermons by both. And you know, I'll exhaust mm-hmm. that. You know, I'll get to the point where I'm hearing the same sermons that I've heard. I I started with you know James White used to have his uh, Wayback Machine where. He yeah. took dividing lines and he streamed them 24 seven. And I just had a stream mm-hmm. playing and, uh, and then he took that offline. And so I loaded up my own player with his and kind of made my own way back machine. But I got to the point where I'm listening to the same dividing lines that I've heard three or four times already. Mm-hmm. So then I moved on and um, right. You know, I had some Johnny Mac on there for a while and I've had some other preachers, um, Steve Lawson and stuff, but mm-hmm. um uh, wow, you're a big man if you can sleep listening to Steve Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I had trouble with Steve Lawson, not because of his preaching, but the audio quality on some of his stuff oh, was yeah. distracting. I mm-hmm. I don't know where, if it had to do with where he was preaching or whatnot, but mm-hmm. uh, that got to be distracting. So I had to uh, clear that off. And, and uh, yeah. I, I like Phil Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's a good preacher. So, mm-hmm. And like I said, I've really gotten to enjoy uh, Nate Pickowitz. I mean. It's kind of yeah, definitely. And funny if I do a similar thing, um, I also have trouble sleeping. Um, <laughs> partly because I am just a night owl by nature, so I can be up all night if I really wanted to. And so, yeah, uh, I same thing. I have my old one sixty gigabyte iPod, um, just tons of sermons on there, and I will vary who I listen to. Um, at the moment, I have fallen asleep to a great many um, S. Lewis Johnson sermons. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I have well, uh, yeah, I, I do a similar thing. I have that on a hard drive sometime and it probably will be put in at some point. Yeah. You know, when I get through all my whole archive of of uh Phil Johnson and Nate Pickowitz. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's a great method and and I'd recommend that if you have sleep issues, uh, it might just try it. It might work for you. You know, it I know it helps me because I get my mind on one thing mm-hmm. rather than a thousand things. And then that makes it easier for me to kind of. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, sometimes it gets interesting, and I don't want to fall asleep. <laughs> so oh, that's true. That's happened to me. Like, dang it, I've been up for an hour. I was supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And I find you know you got to set the volume just right because if it's too low, mm-hmm. you can't hear it. But if it's too high, then it 
it'll put me to sleep, but then it'll wake me right back up. Yeah. <laughs> and then I've had some funny things where um, I it's happened with Phil Johnson. It's happened with uh, James White and it's happened with Nate Pickowitz where the the audio gets piped into dreams and that's interesting because <laughs> I'll be dreaming and and there's James White right in front of me and he's and he's talking and um or uh I I had to DM uh Nate about one where I I don't know where I was but I was in a crowd and Nate was there and he was preaching the gospel and it was really it was kind of cool and I woke up the next morning and I realized no that was actually a sermon I was listening to <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, but, so it's it's interesting what kind of weird avenues discipleship can take in the 21st century. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, kind of getting back to the discussion kind of more as it was meant to be discussed. Um, <laughs> so what other, uh, what else do you maybe have in mind on the subject? I think, um, when it comes to the whole idea of discipleship, I think one thing that I'm really passionate about is sort of demystifying it, um, taking out some of the myths and legends that surround it, just saying, no, let's just talk about what this looks like. Um, and so you know, the fact that disciple making doesn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, this very formal, you know, write your own curriculum. And, you know, this week we're going to learn about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the next week, well, regardless of whether they got it or not, and this week we're now going to learn about this, and <laughs> you know, it you know it should be relational. Um, I like to talk about, and I borrowed this from a family of churches called the Reality Churches. Um, they talk about their DNA and the fact that um, all of their ministries they want to be theological, relational, and missional, and I think I've just co-opted that because I think it's a very helpful way to think about ministry in general, and I definitely think discipleship in general so it has to be theological we're trying to teach people the truth about god that's mm-hmm. what's going to produce christ likeness um so to that yes we want our disciple making relationships to be centered around the word of god whether that is we're reading through a book of scripture together or we're reading a good christian book which helps point us back to scripture um everything needs to be about what we think about god i agree with the quote by aw Tozer who said that what you think about god is the most important thing about you and that's true in a discipleship relationship every bit as much as it is in a uh, personal relationship. Mm-hmm. So that would be my uh, first thing in that sort of realm. Next thing would be relational. You know, you're getting to know a person. You know, you're building a disciple-making relationship with another person. And so, you know, get to know them. You know, ask about, you know, what's going on in their personal life, you know, Obviously not in an uh, intruding sort of sense, but, you know, just get to know them as a person. I saw this with my pastor back home. He would, you know, sometimes you wouldn't even get to talking about some sort of theological issue because you'd just be asking me, how's work? How's relationship with the family? Um, How are you doing? Um, When I got into relationship with the lady that's now my wife, you know, how's your relationship going? How's this? How's this? Um, You know, we built a personal relationship upon which we could talk about theological issues and we could talk about um, ministry issues and stuff like that because we became really good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the power of friendship in a discipleship relationship really cannot be understated. If The reality is if you can't stand the person that um, is sitting opposite you, um, let's say you go out to coffee 
and like this person is grating on you. <laughs> like the chances of you actually learning something from this person are pretty slim. Because by nature, you know, we're relational beings and if we can't foster a good relationship with someone, that that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, if you get on well with the person, that tends to work wonders. You'd be surprised how much you take from them. And so it needs to be theological, it needs to be relational, and it should be missional. Now, I know missional is one of those buzzwords that everyone likes to throw around, <laughs> but no, in a very real sense, we're training people for the purpose of mission, for the purpose of proclaiming the gospel with others and making disciples of others. And mm-hmm. so we should definitely be discipling with that in mind. It should never be just a, um, yes, like I said, you know, I have now churned out a disciple. Yay. <laughs> um, it should always be, okay, what can we do next? You know, what can we do with what we are learning? What can we, you know, what can we do in the sense of the next ministry step? What does it look like now to apply this next step to someone else? Um no, so yeah, those will be some of my thoughts about just demystifying disciple making. You know, make it theological, foster a relational aspect to it, and always keep the mission in mind. I think those are big things that I always want to think about when I think about disciple making. I've th- you've kind of um, half-heartedly thrown out the this churning out thing, and and I, I mm-hmm. think, like, what would that look like? I mean, how? How can somebody take, I mean, how can you even have an attitude like I, tr- I turned out a disciple? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to, I, it's, it's kind of buzzing around in my head. I'm trying to figure out how mm-hmm. to, how to get it out to, to, mm-hmm. to kind of say what I'm thinking. But, um, I mean, it, it really is a lifelong process. How can anybody, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I've been in the Lord for 20 years and I feel like I'm just starting. I mean, yeah. And, uh, you're much uh, much younger in the Lord and much mm-hmm. younger biologically than I am, but I still feel like I've got a lot to learn from you. And um, how, I mean, I, I guess I don't understand where that mindset could come mm-hmm. from, like where somebody would say, well, I got a disciple. I'm, I've, mm-hmm. you know, kind of checked that box and gone on and stuff. But mm-hmm. Well, part <laughs> of me would say, um, I agree with you. Where does such a mindset come from? Unfortunately, in conversations I've had with various people, um, both on this side of the pond and my side of the pond, um, it unfortunately happens. I think I think churches are particularly susceptible to this. Um, if, as a church, you feel you, and the thing is, when it happens, churches really mean well in the sense that they want to take disciple making seriously. They want sure. to, um, you know, show that they're serious about this. And so we do what all human beings do when we want to show we're serious about something. We create a process. <laughs> um, we create a system. We create a program. Now, I am not against systems and processes and programs. I think for some people, they need them because naturally they're not the most disciplined. And so you need to kind of make them disciplined in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand this with kids. You give kids a routine. Why? Because otherwise, you know, they'll just be up all the time running around, bouncing off the walls and what have you. <laughs> you know, you recognize a little structure is good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, I hope when I say that I'm not downing all of that. But I no, think I'm, they, just, it, I, I'm just trying to poke at a little bit about, because mm-hmm. there's, I know you're kind of, kind of almost jokingly saying it, but there's always some, I mean, a joke isn't funny unless there's a grain of truth to it, really, you know. True. <laughs> You know, like I said, um, I've had conversations with people and they've said, basically, this is what happened. 
I, you know, our church said they had a discipleship ministry. I got plugged in. Um, it was all very canned. Um, maybe we had like a curriculum that everyone was supposed to go through. And again, I'm not against curriculum. I think they have their place. Sure. But um, I, they went through. I went through this curriculum. Like, I've heard varying things. Other people say like the curriculum really didn't. And sometimes you have to be careful because sometimes you say mm, you're not being legitimate here. But sometimes it is legitimate. They'll say like this curriculum was incredibly dumbed down. Um, and I knew it was dumb. It felt dumbed down. It felt like I was being spoken down to. Mm-hmm. Or the person that I was with um, in this discipleship relationship, you know, the church kind of assigned somebody to me. Um, they assigned this person to me and we just did not get on. Um, you know, someone I know very, very well um, mentioned this to me that, you know, they were basically thrust into this disciple making relationship with this person they didn't get along with well and when they tried to raise the fact that personality wise it was grating on them a little bit the person basically said this is just how i am get used to it and it's like that doesn't help (laughs) um and so there is a particularly where you have a process where it's do this and then once we're done with this um that's the program it, that mm-hmm. can turn very quickly into a let's just churn, like I said, churning out disciples in the sense of they've it's completed a, it's the like program. It's like an assembly line than, kind of thing, huh? Essentially, <laughs> rather than viewing it as this is an ongoing relationship, which will change and morph depending on the person and depending where they are and depending how much they're learning and growing. Um, you know, you maybe will start off with something like a fundamentals of the faith. But then you may realize with time, this person is hungry and they're growing fast. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's pick up let's pick up the pace a little bit. Let's do something like a Michael Horton's program theology, which is sort of a middle ground text. Then you find, okay, they're really grappling with that. Okay, let's go read a Grudem. Let's go read a Biblical Doctrine by MacArthur and Mayhew. Um, realizing, okay, we're growing. You know, this person is growing spiritually or growing theologically or maybe relationally you're talking to them and they're confessing i'm struggling with anxiety or i'm struggling with the fear of man or i'm struggling with this that or the other and you realize ah okay maybe we should do some studying together what the bible says about the fear of man maybe we should read a book like um when people are big and god is small um and issues like that so yeah i think that's what I, i have one of my I was going through that scatterbrain thing and trying to get it out and that was kind of one thing I was thinking about was that um, people are always going to go through new experiences that are difficult um, Mm -hmm. painful um, hard you know uh, seven years ago my son was diagnosed with brain cancer you know that that would be a great example of something that Mm -hmm. that um, was something that the Lord had to carry me through. And I, and it, it definitely helped to have people who could pray for me, that could encourage me, that could remind me that, you know, the Lord, uh, has a purpose in mind here. Um, whatever happens happens, but we can trust that the Lord's got his purposes and that he's in control. And then now that I've been through that, of course, now somebody else goes through that. I'm equipped now to kind of encourage them and, and, it, and you can't just go through a curriculum and be ready to deal with a child with cancer or to be ready to go through, um, you know, a family member who's going through a divorce or, uh, um, a death in the family or, you know, uh, losing a job or something, you know, mm-hmm. those things can't be dealt with because you 
took a curriculum or you did a six week, you know, Thursday night class or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, like you said, um, yeah, you can't deal with those issues out of a book necessarily. Those are things that flow out of a relationship. I mean, books may be mm-hmm. helpful and help you to form some categories and learn some things that can help you through those trials. But primarily the way that that happens is in an organic relationship yep. in the, yep. every sense of the word. You need somebody to put their arm around you and, and to just, maybe they don't need, even need to say anything. You just need to know that they're there. They're praying. Mm-hmm. And if you need a shoulder to cry on, then you've got one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. Well, um, I, I don't want to cut you off. I'll just kind of maybe set you up for kind of some closing statements or something. But um, mm-hmm. my kids are, I turned on uh, gremlins because I needed something <laughs> to uh, <laughs> keep them quiet for a while. And uh, that's what came up on Netflix was uh, I want to watch gremlins. And uh, I think that's probably about over and it's like 1030 p.m. So, oh, yeah. um, they are still up, I'm sure. And uh, mm-hmm. need to go to bed, but you know, what are some, maybe some closing thoughts and where people can go for f- kind of further on this or, or what? Oh, what? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just in terms of additional resources, um, that book I recommended, um, the training of the 12 by AB Bruce. Um, it's a in-depth text. I won't say it's difficult, but it is pretty in-depth. So it does require a little bit of work, but um that book, I think, has really shaped my understanding of discipleship um, a great deal. Um, in terms, so that's a book I'd recommend. In terms of a ministry, I'd recommend, which is doing some really great work in this field. Um, Pastor Robbie Gallaty, I think it's G A L A T Y. Okay. Uh, Robbie Gallaty, he's pastor of. Make sure I get the name right. I want to say Brook Hollow Baptist Church, but don't quote me on that. Um, he's in Tennessee. He has a ministry called Replicate Ministries. Okay. Um, Replicate Ministries, and he does a ton of work as well as being a local church pastor in helping individuals and churches to think about discipleship and disciple making. Um, so I, those would be two re- resources I recommend. The Training of the Talk by A.B. Bruce and Replicate Ministries, doing some incredible work in that field. Um, and just by way of encouragement, I would say, if you listen to this and you're kind of like, hmm, I haven't really given much thought to this about my role as someone who should be making disciples. Um, I would just encourage you to, one, pray. You know, talk to the Lord about it and pray for opportunities to keep your eyes open. Um, chances are there is somebody around you who is looking for that. They just don't know it. And you probably don't know it. Mm-hmm. So just keep your eyes open. And, um, well, that's that, that, those, that organic angle that you talked about. And, exactly. Just keep your eyes open. You'll get to see people like that and, you know, begin to foster those relationships. Um, and just be intentional about it and mm-hmm. honestly enjoy it. You know, this isn't a chore. This shouldn't just be, okay, is that time of the week? I need to go get ready. Um, no, make a, you know, make a day out of it, for lack of a better term. You know, enjoy it. Um, I look forward to Thursday mornings when I get to hang out with my pastor here in Medford and we go to a coffee house and we just, you know, drink some coffee and we'll just shoot the breeze about stuff and laugh and joke. And sometimes it gets serious and sometimes we're just reading the book that we're reading together. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, those would be just some closing encouragements when it comes to thinking about disciple making. Well, coffee, it was a, it was a good subject. Thanks for bringing it. I, um, 
not you didn't disappoint and uh, i'm glad i reached out to you and uh had and invited you back and i'm glad you accepted that invitation and uh so i thank you for um sharing this with us and i look forward to hearing even if it's just a little bit off uh twitter or whatever kind of how that progresses for you and going through your internship and seminary and whatnot but uh yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I really love Echo Zoe and love being on the show. I've only been on twice, well, twice now. Um, but I enjoy listening to it. Um, well, thank you. And yeah. like you said, you were talking about relationships. You know, I see friends of mine on here. I'm like, hey, I know that guy this month. <laughs> um, that's always fun. So, yeah, I well, really kind of reaching it. So, that yeah. point where, um, you know, uh, the I have mentioned this before. The monthly show can sometimes be um, can make things easier, but sometimes it can make things diff- more difficult because I do a show and then I just kind of real. I think, well, I've got a whole month to th- you know, I to not have to worry about it. And then before I know it, it's been a month, and like I don't, have, <laughs> I haven't even thought about it. And and uh, and that and that that whole online thing has been very helpful because. Uh, I've met some wonderful people and, and can have some great conversations with them. And uh, you're one of them. And it's, it's great to have that resource to be able to say, Hey, let's, let's talk about a subject together. Mm-hmm. Share it with the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much, Kofi. Oh, absolute pleasure. Echo Zoe radio is an outreach of Echo Zoe ministries. If you are blessed by the show, please consider offering your support. There are many things you can do to help, including prayer, sharing the show with others, and your financial support. Echo Zori Ministries is a registered nonprofit organization with 501c3 tax-exempt status, and your donations are tax-deductible. For more information about how you can support Echo Zoe Ministries, please visit echozoe.com support. That wraps up episode 116. Thanks for listening to Echo Zoe Radio. For show notes, visit echozoe.com slash 116. Be sure to check out the website for links to connect to Echo Zoe on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus, and love to connect with you. So follow, like, or circle Echo Zoe Ministries. Also, don't forget to check out Echo Zoe Answers. That show depends on your questions, so don't just tune in. Uh, send your questions as well. And Lord willing, we'll be back next month with a January 2018 episode of Echo Zoe Radio. <laughs>